Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. We're live with the news. Boom. Step 12 is what we're going to talk about tonight. Your share from step 12. Service. Got some news. Um, We've been doing a lot of service. We have lately. an amazing. We're going to focus on service on next week's okay, okay, podcast. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We have a special one. Uh, but but step 12 is on service. And then next week is a, is a special one that we're going to do on, on Light the World. Sweet. Okay. So... Uh, you gave a talk this week. Yes, I did. And you had a lot of a lot of responses on our Instagram account. Yeah, we did. What was your talk about? And what did people say? On How to live the gospel more fully in our life. And I took it like more as like in 2017, like you know, like right now. How do you live it more fully? And what what were some of the people? Let's keep it on the podcast. People on our Instagram account gave you calling you on the spot there. What yeah. did they tell you? You had some great. Things on there, right? About some of the what? What some of the comments? Some of were? our listeners posted some of, some of their top three things. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, so I went and I asked a bunch of our friends. I asked our Instagram account, and we got we got a bunch of comments here. One of them, the first one was, oh, that's a hard topic. <laughs> and then the next one was, read the Book of Mormon every morning, pray earnestly to know and to do God's will. So kind of like service or step eleven. Which one of those did you incorporate in your talk, if any? Um. And then you sent a text Prayer. out to a bunch of people. Both, pretty much, all three. Because it says, yeah, and then it says, do his will, push myself daily exactly to be. And so, I mean, all three of them, I said, the first one was prayer. Morning and night for me is important, I felt like. And uh, number two is connecting to gospel doctrine. Like, you know, whatever that is. If that's reading the Book of Mormon, you're in the Book of Mormon. If that's New Testament, great. If that's a, a book, for, uh, you know, f- you know, an LDS book, you know, whatever it is. Just getting connection keeping, to the, Keeping connected. Remember, you talk about when connected. you were... In your throngs of addiction, having all the cords ripped out. Yep, yep. And yeah. so, whatever keeps those cords being plugged, plugged in, into eternal truth, and not focusing so much on what the world has to offer. Okay. Because there's a lot of stuff out there, right? And then the third one is service, which is pretty much that one. Another person put, um, "Be kind to everyone. Um, be willing to follow promptings. Read Jesus the Christ by Talmadge. That's a pretty intense book. One, get up early enough to read two chapters. This one is hardcore." Uh, two chapters in the Book of Mormon and and a talk from General Conference to serve those who you who who I can. That's what the person said. Yeah, that one was pretty intense. This is the most reading Jay's ever done for the I podcast. Know, I don't like reading. <laughs> See the blog. Anyway, so there was quite a bit. But you know, impressed me when you sent me over your talk. It was so beautifully written. I'm a pretty good writer. You are, mm-hmm. but you never—I've never seen you write that much. And I was like, "Holy cow, this is very I'm lazy." That's why, huh? I'm lazy. That's why. Uh, actually, believe it or not, so I didn't think I was a good writer because I've—I oh, have really bad grammar. Like, really, it was bad. very well written. I was like, "Who wrote this?" And that's without even proofreading. I—I read when I'm reading, and I realize there's a bunch of errors. But like, yeah, when I went off to LDS Business College, I found out that like I'm a good talker, but it also translates into writing too. Because normally, when you text, you voice text. I voice text, and it's horrible. <laughs> But when I know I write, like I, I like enjoyed writing. I, I actually thought about switching my career when I was in college, like from going from what I was gonna go to to writing. So I realized there's probably not a lot of money, but uh, it depends. Yeah, it depends. We'll see when we write our book. So I was <laughs> busy. I didn't get a, I didn't get to see your talk because I was doing something. You were ARP doing related. the twelve step. 
Well, I was invited up to uh, an, the land northward, as the Book Warren referenced, to yep. go speak to some stake presidents and a mission president and a temple president. And I what related were we talking about, about I, my goal there was to encourage them if they don't have ARP meetings to start one, if they have them to make them better. And, and how to get it going. And really just sharing what we've learned over the last several years. Yeah. And I related right. it all back to our, you know, I give credit all of the origins back to Sankomani meeting, your first meeting. Totally. And what James, the James yeah. brought, not church culture, but AA culture into that meeting. Yeah, and, and having step, or having um, obviously step work, but step uh, sponsors, chips, and really focusing on sponsors. And fo yeah, sponsors in the steps every meeting. And, and the critical role of that facilitator in those meetings. Totally. Because we get Someone a lot of done the program. We get a lot of feedback from our listeners that they don't have that in their meetings. Yeah. Um, and and so I'm, I've I I was talking to some youth at another area, mm -hmm. and they were like, "The church is doing this." They was showing this movie. Um, I think it's called. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Something about teen and tech or something like that. And they're like, the church is showing this movie. And I was like, hold on, 12 or 15-year-old girl. <laughs> the church isn't showing that movie. Your ward is showing that. Yeah. But I don't know. I think it's being pushed down from the top. But the I took a ton of educator. I'm like, the church is us. Because people don't realize that. The church is us. Yeah. And so. I don't think adults realize Sometimes that. we're like, oh, the church is doing. I'm like, no, that's a member of the church doing that. That's not the church. If you listen to what the church teaches, it's pretty basic. It's faith, repentance, baptism, get the Holy Ghost. Being good, repent often, you know, live the teachings. And if you mess up, repent. Totally. Then you listen to John Conference. That's what the church teaches. And then we have a lot of programs and whatnot within the church and a lot of opinions in the church. And we're trying to have these things to, to help us live the gospel. So anyways, back to stake presidents. It was good. Uh, out of the 10 or so stakes, only two had ARP meetings. Jeez. Um, it's a bummer. And but it's good that you're there. Yeah. So hopefully some of them start up. Hope I hopefully you know the ones I do know that they're there were good, but sometimes they rely like, well, we got that one there. Yeah, we already but, got one nearby. Um, so I relate it to what I think I've shared many times on here when I asked you it was like, in the movies, when you have that craving and you got to get to a meeting, and yeah. you're like, I remember you're like, I, I have just, to wait till Thursday. I just had to wait till Thursday. I was so you said it so sad. I'm like, really? And you're like, yeah. yeah. I wanted nothing more but to go to other meetings, but I was too afraid to go to AA and NA because, like, I had once had issues with cigarettes and, and coffee, and I figured I was at such a vulnerable point in my life, and my my ability to withhold from temptation was not strong yet. Like, I w Ether twelve twenty seven wasn't fulfilled yet, one hundred percent. Well, and, and Corinne, so, who was on two podcasts ago, Corinne talked about talked about if if we are have this disease so prevalent in our society and heavenly father doesn't have a solution that's free that's i felt too, and available yeah. that's kind of sad i felt like and if the so, church yeah like i felt like if, if this is something that is ran by god which we know it is then it'll be within the walls so and it worked for me so i've i have that fire lit within me and that's why that's good that's why i'm like so on this mission of uh you know that uh dnc4 many are uh if you're called the no the field is white, already to harvest. Yeah, dude. Field is white, already to harvest. So I was going to post tell you, my I talk on our, on our website, so people can read it. You should. That's so cool. I was going to tell you on the car on the way over here, but I just tell you. So at the end of this meeting, the executive secretary is sitting like in the corner of the of the high council room, who's just typing notes, right? Yeah. He chimes in. He's like, "Hey, brethren," and he started laying stats out. He's like, 
you know, how many people get knee surgeries or hip, sur hip place surgeries? Like in a lot of your stakes, there's, there's this many people. And I think he said, I'll have to look up the stats. You probably know them. What percentage of them, all of hundred percent of them are on opiates. Opiate, yeah. For recovery. And I think it was like 10% of them are long-term addicted after the surgery. Yeah. He's like, that's conservative. He's like, and he went through the math. He's like, that means in every single one of your wards, bitch, in one of your stakes, straight presidents, there's this many people that are right now addicted to this. And, and just dropped away, it. Yeah. Oh, just dropped it. Like wow, he was just quiet the entire planned. time. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like I it was like you were there in the corner wanting to say that out. So good. I'm glad so that and this is just in it. Like it's these are not people that sought out to recreational or break the wordism. They were just yeah. a part of a normal surgery. And you get to a certain age, you're gonna have knees and hips replaced. Totally. Um, and you're going to be on an opiate, and those are not easy to come off. Yeah. The statistic, I think, is like something out of 30 days, like you're on it, like you're 17 times more likely to be addicted. That's exactly what he said. Yeah. Okay. 30 days or longer on an opiate, you're like 17 times more likely. Um, okay. Last thing, um, we're getting a lot of messages on email and, and Snap, or not Snap, uh, Instagram. Instagram, Facebook. Um, I want to share, this one is pretty sweet. Um this brother's name is Greg. We'll keep it at that. Greg, love your insight. Love the music in your podcast, but check this out. And he sent us a link to some other music. So, oh, really? So tell me, if you, tell me if you like any of these. Kay. No, I think they're just church songs redone. Okay. So let's try. Uh, I haven't listened to these, but let's hear How Great Thou Art. Let's see. A little country twice. I like it. I, like it. I already like this one. Do we need to switch up our outro? Yeah, I think or? we do. I think we need to switch it up. Okay. Let's fast. Oh, like you like that one? Let's see. Let's see. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll go where you want me to go. Oh, I like this one I love too. the church music like that's it. like redone. This is, I like that too. Okay. Dude, if Grungy you could, if you could hide a collab, let's hear that one. Oh, I love hide a collab. Just the original version. Right, so Greg sent it to us. So this Greg is on man. Uh, Mark Abernathy Bandcamp. Yeah, Mark. Ooh, I like that too. I love that song. How about Redeemer of Israel? Too. You got some good tunes. Yeah, All great. right. So hey, hey Greg, we'll switch it up, maybe. Greg, we're gonna add some of that music to our. So basically, when we started this, I poached music from Singles Ward soundtrack, and I took uh, music in December? I, t I took the Strokes, Ask Me Anything before Ask the Addict. Yep. So I don't know where I'm. I like that Ask the Ask Me Anything. It's I just like a short. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll just close and do a different outro every song instead of. The one we're doing now. Switch it up every now and then. Yeah. So we'll pull it off that site for a while. So we'll take those suggestions. Uh, let me see if there's any other mail coming in. Um, let's read this one. Gordon. Hey, guys. Love the podcast. You are doing more good than you know. I met someone last night that is working on a meth addiction. Rather than my usual response of, quote, I know it's tough, unquote, or, quote, hang in there, quote, or, quote, you know a 12-step program that might help you, quote. My response was totally different. I was so excited to help her download a podcast app and subscribe to your podcast. I told her how much your podcast has helped me and how it motivated me to finally attend an ARP meeting 
and the happiness and hope that has flooded into my life. She committed to listening and go. Thanks for sharing how to make our ARP even more effective. And thanks especially for sharing hope that addictions can be overcome. That is awesome. That That's, what do you think? Dude, I think it's amazing. I mean, you got to feel good. I mean, you, you had this idea and I was like, eh, how we say it? Like, I, I just didn't, I didn't know how many, you know, how, how people could actually like, you know, find us if we're not, you know, because we have jobs or full time. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, if we're not going to put money, a bunch of money into this, how are we going to be able to do it? And, but it, I guess people, like I said, I mean, people we are searching out. There's a, there's, unfortunately, there's you would have searched it out. I remember yeah, you tell. I, I remember. I so here's because you the first told thing me. I said is like I would have. You're like I would have totally listened to that. And yeah. I'm like, why? I mean, we talk about it all the time as we record what we're talking about. Yeah, and, and I, I, I also tried to search church podcasts a long time ago, and I didn't, you know, at the time I didn't know about the cultural, I didn't know about some of these other ones that are really good. They're all the ones that were like, hey, let me show you how to get out of the church. Yeah, <laughs> they were all negative, or they just were boring, and so, yeah, I think this is, is, is appealing. Or a lot of Utah humor that we just don't get. We just don't get, yeah, outside yeah. of Utah. It's yeah. a different world. All right, well, that's all I got for news. You got anything else? No, I mean, obviously, we have a great Ask the Addict today, as always. So, so. the key on this Ask the Addict is, I'll, I'll cue you up, is... Um, one of the things that I think it touched touched me was how he came home early for his mission yep. and that awkwardness and how this guy didn't really get in the drugs before. Yeah. And it was kind of like, if I can't go back on my mission, then I'm going off the deep end. Yeah, it was kind of like me and Xander. Me and Xander all, all th- he came home before us, but me and Xander came home at the same time, felt that same way where we felt like there's just like a, you know, we weren't, we weren't the... We weren't like you know coming home when we, on the same date we were supposed to. We came home early, so anyways, it's interesting. So, how so we, we get into that. that with on the podcast, which I think a lot of people. I think and more and than if you're know. a longtime listener to podcast, you remember Jay sharing the story about going to his first ARP meeting. Yeah, in the car with two buddies, and one of them was Xander, which we've had on the podcast. And then this is the other guy. Yeah, so stay tuned. You so hear hear the stories; tuned. they're pretty so funny. Listen to Jay's <laughs> step twelve, and then we get into Ask the Addict with Mr. Nate. Okay. All right. All right. We're out. Shaka. I am Jay and I'm an addict. Hi, Jay. Grateful to be here. Step uh, is one that when you get sober and if you want to make, like it said, there's just so much in here. But it says uh, one of the things that stood out, what gets you, you know, what I think about always is what gets you sober won't keep you sober. Um, And I think that's where this 12 step comes in. I think that there's so much power in reaching out to other people and asking how their day is going. It immediately, there's no way you can do that. And then not feel a better yourself about your life but um also if you come to this meeting like i did in the beginning it's all about you're just trying to fix your problem which is of course that's why you're here and that's why we're all here but when you come here and you start hearing other people's stories um uh, it helped it, it just you realize like how how we're all in this together we're all we all have so many things that we need we all we all have um so many trials and um I just think that when I first uh, started coming to these meetings and me and Lexi first got back together after being separated for a few months um, and I was newly sober, I remember thinking that there's no way I would ever be able to do this step because I was too far gone. Even if I remained sober and I came back to the church or whatever, I was like, there's no way I'm going to ever be able to help anyone else with anything in life, let alone give really good missionary-style service to people because I'm, I'm, I was still racked with shame. I was racked with guilt. And part of that is is part of your, you know, it's, it's actually part of my pride and ego to think that, like, I've done something worse and, you know, that out, outbounds the atonement. And what I, you know, obviously my life today is completely opposite than that. And I feel like, you know, um, the phone doesn't stop ringing. And I feel like the opportunities are 
you know, if I want to go partake in it, there's so much work to be done. I mean, look at this meeting right here and look at all the other meetings, the, the Mission Viejo meeting, the, the Irvine meeting. Brad went and spoke to a bunch of state presidents to help them get started on meetings, you know, here in Southern California. There, this demand is, is there, unfortunately. But fortunately, we have, like, we have the, you know, we have the, the cure, in a sense. Like, we have the ability to um, get recovery and maintain it and then help others do the same thing. And the cure is not something where you're just going to come here and you're going to listen and you're going to do some steps and you're just going to never have to come back. This step says that, you like, there's no place, you know, for you to be besides here and, and to helping other people, you know, get what you were given. And there's so many so many key like things it says it says like it, it tells you how to do it like make sure that um when you're doing it that you're that you understand that you know we have to be at rock bottom ourselves and so you know there's just a lot of good assets in here that if you're thinking about helping out or reaching out to a friend and you don't know how to do it um the, the first so what is this the fifth paragraph it says exactly what to do and it says um respect the agency of others remember that most of us had to hit rock bottom or hit bottom before we were ready to study and apply these principles. The same will be true most your desire to help. And um, I think, you know, I had someone call me today, a friend from Utah, and he said, yeah, I got a friend that is suffering big time. His wife just kicked him out. He's got two little kids. I mean, it's like the same story. Of, we, unfortunately, we hear all the time. It was my story. But, you know, unfortunate enough that I was like, yeah, dude. And the guy now moves here, and he lives in um, RSM, and he was supposed to show up tonight. But um, the point is, is that... You know, if you keep coming, you're not only going to obtain sobriety and recovery, but then Heavenly Father is going to show you how you can maintain it, and and, and that's it by service. And um, I gave a talk over the um, Sunday, first talk in a long time, um, as far as, like, just I got to pick the subject kind of, and um, it was three things on how to live the gospel. One was prayer, and then the other one was connecting to the, to the actual reading of the scriptures, and then the third one was service. I think that there's no better way to 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 live the gospel than to serve others because everything in my life when it seems like it's stormy and it's going out of control and I can't figure out what the answer is if I pick up the phone and I reach out to someone else who's also maybe in a rough time or just pick up and talk to someone else in general and ask them how their day is going I immediately get pulled out of my head and that's that's what I need you know so we all doesn't matter how much time you have sober life always has its way of, of coming back and, and getting clouded and I think this step can help pull you out of it and, and can keep you sober and I'm grateful this meeting's big so I'm going to finish my share and I just want to say that if you're new here don't worry about you know if you're brand new and you got a couple days sober or a week or a month don't worry about this step yet you're not on this step just worry about step one and worry about getting a sponsor worry about you know just starting the program and, and being at a meeting at least once a week if not more than that you know, don't don't worry about any step that you're you're not on. Just be where you're at, and that's okay. That's where we all have to start. And um, just hope that everyone shares tonight, and um, just share whatever's going on. Just know that this is a place that's safe, and I don't know. You, there's so much solution in this room, and so I'm looking forward to hearing what everyone has to say. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. Tight here. All right, all right, sweet, sweet, sweet. Usually we have two mics, but mine's been. But if we're uh, falling apart, we all have yeah. breath. We all have gum in our mouth. We can yeah, get up so close. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good.
Hi, what's your name? My name is Nate. Nate. I'm an addict. What All you, right. All right. Well, I love that. Um, first time, have you ever listened to our podcast? No, sir. Sweet. <laughs> but you'll listen to this one, right? I yes. Will. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Don't worry. So to be honest, I've never listened to one of them. Okay. I listened to a little bit of the very first one. I heard myself speak, and I started being so Freaked critical that I like I stopped. I like I can't handle it. That's what I'm worried about. So to be honest, I've never listened to one of them. But that's yeah. why I keep going. Get your mouth off the mic. Get close to the mic, and he doesn't understand why. Because people complain about my. Anyway. Too far away? Why? Well, because watch, in about 10 minutes, he'll be like this. Yeah, you know me. You, like, I can't ever sit still. I can't sit still. <laughs> and then and then I'll go, dude, get closer. And then he'll go like on the mic like this and, and talk then, into and the mic. People and like, like complaining. Moderation right. is something that Jay's struggled with, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that That's an understatement. All right. So you know this guy. So Jay yep. has shared many times on the podcast about going to that first ARP meeting yes. in San Clemente. Xander, who's been on the cast a few times. Yep. So... There was, so Nate was in the car as well. So there was, it was, was it just you three? It was just I think it was just us three the first time, and I think maybe then your brother Tanner showed yeah. up, and then um, we had visited the one time we visited Xander's sponsor. I think that was my first time. So we went to the pizza place, which this guy owns a pizza store. His family, he's Xander's uh, sponsor, um, who was a convert too. And then, um, but anyways, we went there to eat, I think, and then go to the meeting. And did you know you were going to a meeting? Yeah, but okay. remember what I told you. Like my, my motivation was one hundred percent to manipulate my wife Which, to come back to me. Uh, of this, <laughs> of this group of guys, who who was like the instigator of like, dude, let's go to a meeting. That's I think sober. both you, you and Xander were going. Yeah, probably, probably right. Mutual. Xander and I were already kind of going to to San Clemente. Yeah, to some and AA, right? And some meetings. Yeah, AA. What 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 drug of choice or what were you going for? Uh, heroin. Okay. Straight up heroin, like yeah. I think at the time though, I had been um, on like a suboxone treatment. Just pills know. or injection or no? Explain what suboxone uh, is. Well, suboxone. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, oh, well so, yes, so the suboxone is just a uh, is a medication that's prescribed that uh, helps with opiate um, withdrawals. Withdrawals right. and cravings. Okay. It curbs your cravings. Isn't that supposed to be like I'm getting off heroin, so I you go to suboxone? Like, yeah, some so it's like a synthetic. It? You know something that makes you, uh, you know, it reduces your cravings. Okay. And uh, prior to that was heroin. Prior to that was heroin. Prior to that was it oxy uh, yeah, or it was pills? pills? Before that, started out with with pills, just kind of, um, uh, you know, I guess recreationally, but not thinking I had a problem. You know, I had some legitimate injuries and other things that uh, made me think that it was legitimate. But then it, you know, it quickly turned into an everyday habit, and then. You know, from the pills went to, you know, heroin. And so let's rewind things. back a little further. Did you grow up in the church? I did. Okay. And did when did you uh, make that decision to experiment and not live the word of wisdom? Uh, well, there's just a couple or or times. was it a prescription slip up or was it you were experimenting as a as a as a youth? Yeah, it was it was after I had a pretty bad experience on my mission, getting sent home early from my mission. And it was at, at that time that um, I kind of threw my hands up in the air with the church okay. and uh, started living my life the way that I wanted to or, you know, before your mission, nothing. Uh, no, just a couple a couple times in high school, two or three times experience smoking marijuana and a couple times drinking alcohol. Okay. Besides that, that was it. Okay, so pretty clean. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like you were, uh, okay, so it wasn't like 
any problem before. No, no. Little no. experimentation. Yeah, nothing at all. Went on your mission, mm-hmm. came home early, and said, screw this. I'm going to go live the wild side? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Um, and did, did you immediately go to drugs and alcohol? Uh, no, I... I was trying to go back on out on my mission for the first few months, and it okay. kept oh, having so you came home and then with hopes to go back out. Okay, and there kept being setbacks, and I was just getting really frustrated with the process. And uh, so eventually, there just kind of came a point where I was like, you know what? It looks like that's not going to be what happens for me. So um, at that time, I kind of was starting to hang out with guys that were doing other things, members of the church, but were drinking or smoking and. So I kind of started getting involved in that. And then from there, it was just that became so, kind of so interesting as the normie here. Like, I can't go on a mission, so I'm going to go party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it, well, it's like me and Xander talked about. I think we have the same thing. Obviously, me and Xander both came home early from our missions. And um, the, the, the cult, once again, this is not on purpose. Like we talked about with that state president a few weeks back, right? Mm-hmm. When we were visiting L.A. is like, you know, the c- culture in the church I've learned is at the time I used to think when I used to be when I was in my pride and my ego years ago, I thought culture was on purpose, like people meant to be judgmental. And like now I've realized it's just a byproduct. It's not it's not on purpose. It happens in all societies. It happens in all different forms of religion and stuff. But um, it's not necessarily a good thing. But I know coming home, a- atheists can be judgmental, too. Oh, yeah. Just okay. a little bit. Right. And then yep. they, they have their own culture war. I mean, even with. Yeah, we can go <laughs> way deeper than that. But yeah, for sure. And I remember, though, what I'm saying is. It's like I remember hearing Nate's story back then because I came home early too and I had a disciplinary council and I had some issues. And um, I remember, you know, Nate's story is like a lot of, a, a lot of people. It was, it was uh, the reason why he came home early. First of all, he didn't have to come home early, right? Well, if, we, if he chose to just continue to hide and like, you know, hide his things, but, you know, it was just like me or anyone else and you come honest, you come clean. Mm-hmm. There's, like, there's a step process to get back into there. Yeah. But some of us along the way, including me for seven years, yeah, sure, I kept going. But like obviously, like I said a hundred times, I was holding church callings and stuff, but I was massively addicted to opiates, you know what I mean? And living a whole other life when I'm not in the white shirt and tie. You know, so we all experience that little bit of judgmental, a little bit of failure, a little bit of shame, a little bit of guilt. And but it's amazing how the adversary gets you to go. Oh, the whole time all, he's trying for the minute you get home. All or nothing. Like oh, yeah. it's, it's, oh, you can't go on your mission to go do this. So let's whew, 180 degrees that way. Yeah. It, 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 it's, that's an interesting thing. I mean, I, for me, it was just mounted frustration, yeah. you know, and um, I thought I had given it a pretty solid effort. Uh, yeah, like I tried. Yeah, best. I, I tried, and um, yeah, I guess that just the the solution there was, you know, maybe I am just gonna live things, live my life the way that I wanted to, with no filters and no parents. I, you know, I moved out from my parents' home for the first time in my life, and I can just live my life how I, with no one telling me what to do for the first time in my life. Okay, and you know, spoiler alert. It didn't go well. <laughs> go and he comes, just so you know, like he comes from a very spiritual family, like uh, a couple that's still married in the temple that are very active in church. You know, two of the most sweetest people I've ever met are his parents. And it's not like, you know, everyone's stories like Xander's, same thing. He's got two parents, married, you know what I mean? Never done a drug or, you know, thing in their life. But some of us, we get, we get pulled me, to the world. You know, it's like making me worried as a parent here. Yeah, you, I mean, reality is like no one's safe. Yeah. Like that's but that's the reality. We talked about it in a in a stake PEC this last Sunday, and about families. You know, we're we're uh, talking about a lot of chastity and the ideal family and things like that, right? Like here's what here's what Heavenly Father's plan is, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and the concern was like, well, not everyone's family is ideal. And they're like, well, look, at the, have you read the scriptures? Read the Book of Mormon? Like most of those families in there weren't ideal. Like Nephi had his, look, look at Heavenly Father, third of his kids, spiritual kids, yeah, bounce. Right. bounce. Right. Adam and Eve. Right. Yeah. Nephi, or uh, sorry, Lehi. Yeah. Alma, the pro- like, it's uh, it's it it it's happens. It happens, right? Yeah. Um, and you talk about the it's just the cunning way of the devil, the adversary, right? He just totally he can get there. So he so you're hanging out, you're like frustrated because you it doesn't look like you're going back out on your mission. Mm-hmm. Maybe some shame, like why are you doing home this and that. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, the most shameful experience ever in, hind- in hindsight, hindsight was it uh self-imposed shame or were people really like no, being really rude was. to you there, yeah. yeah there absolutely was and i mean like jay said you know you get uh judgmental people in, in every you know social group uh you know it just so happened that you know in this particular social group is you know, you, you're going to get a lot of it too. And these so, are like age, same age social group, or these yeah, adults, or, or, or just, leaders, or just yeah. leaders in the church, just the community. The do you agree LDS with me, community. Nate? Like that, I, I think that some of these people, because I had the same leaders. You know, like later, even though we were years apart, we're different, a little bit different in age. But um, I feel like some. I've been able to look back now, and it's like I think after now meeting so many of these bishops, state presidents, you know, about ARP, and they don't know anything about like. Of course they don't know, right? Like, mm-hmm. I was an addict being dragged to my first meeting, saying I was an addict, didn't even, you know, and I was an addict. So it's like, let alone someone who's not an addict, they don't know anything about. And I feel like, I, looking back on some of those leaders, that at least I had, that I really did at the time, was like, dude, these are judgmental people. I think, like, deep down, they were just trying, they, they, they were doing what they thought was right. Like, they were like, in my opinion, like, they, they were like. This is what someone should say to me if I was yeah, doing this. Like, it's like, hey, you don't get to come to church. Like, you don't get to take a sacrament. Like, you know, these things, like, that'll teach you a lesson. Like, that's, that's what I felt. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, maybe not all of them. It's hard to say. No, I, I agree with that. I think that a lot of times it's just the, uh, the culture, Yeah. you know. We had a brother that came home early from his mission in our ward. Um, and it was home for like six months, but like, I knew this kid pretty well, but I didn't know what to say. Like, Hey, like, do you want me to ask you why you're home? Like, do, do you want me to ask why you're going back out? Like you, you mentioned that you were going to go back out. Like, I just don't know what to say. Yeah. So I didn't say it, Yeah. but I'm like, well, does he think I'm like ignoring him because it's just awkward before mm-hmm. he was on his mission? We always talked about going on his mission. Like, yeah, it's just awkward. Yeah. It's that, just, um, cause you, cause there's so many ways to say something wrong, so not say anything, but then not saying something could oh, be, so be taken, yeah. taken wrong. Oh, absolutely, and some people just don't uh, aren't very good with uh, um, social cues, and and so sometimes you know I'd, I'd have people come up to me and just be like, "Hey, good to see you. I thought you were on a mission." Right? And you're like, you're like uh, but yeah, but see, because it does. Like, <laughs> I get we get asked all the time. My daughter's on a mission. She gets home February. Most number one question: Oh, when she get home? They have no clue. It's like the time of someone else, but you knew exactly how long you're out. Yeah. But to them, they're like, "Has it been two years?" Yeah. Like, is it what? It's just, but it can be perceived in different ways. True. And of but, course, but I think most people assume like, if I come home early, there's either a physical issue like surgery, right? An emotional issue or a worthiness issue, uh-huh. and you know, yeah. which one? I don't want to ask which one it is because you may not want to talk about it. It may be personal. Right. I don't know. So, 
So that's a it, tough so situation. So where does it go when you get? Yeah, obviously it's tough. I think, like I said, I, I think the. Wait, so what is it? What's the best way to approach this? So you have some brother sister. Talk about this. Brother sister comes home. They're you know they've been out a good solid six months in the mission, of eighteen or two years. What's the best way to approach? Because I don't know. I even this one kid I knew pretty well. Like he was a young man in my group when he was yeah. like a teacher, but I still didn't know and. I still know what to say. So I just like beat around the bush. How's it going? And then waiting for him to make some hint. Oh, you're going to go back out? Oh, killer. That's great. I think you probably did the right thing. I mean, I I think uh, looking back on that time in my life, how do I wish that people had approached me? Yeah, that's what we're asking. And That's all you can say. Yeah, and I I think in that particular circumstance, I would have hoped that people were just, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. and not really make any mention of it, but if it was someone like you were with this young man, uh, you felt pretty close to him, or you had some kind of open dialogue with this young man, you could later pull him aside, maybe and say, hey, you know, how's it going, or what's going on, are you trying to go back out on your mission, or maybe whatever it is you feel comfortable saying then, just I feel like people would do that in the middle of sacrament meeting, you know, oh, and like in a crowd, and you just like crowd. get okay. embarrassed, you know, and, yeah. and it's not the right timing, uh, so, um, I think those questions are okay to have with that person if you feel like you're close enough to Maybe a more intimate setting. Yeah, but it just in the public church setting, I think the, the right thing is to be like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Positive yeah. reinforcement. You know, you don't want to embarrass the person. You so. can totally see someone coming home and you think they're like, oh, it's been two years already? And you're like, oh, crap, it yeah, hasn't. And then it. they feel dumb. Like, well, it could be. So yeah. that's good advice. So if you have that one-on-one, if you're curious about that, pull pull that person aside and... Well, it's something that we need to like under like I mean I love that we're talking about this because this wasn't orchestrated, but um, neither is anything else we talk about. But it was but, related to what your story. It was, yeah, it's related to both of our and stories. your story. And like I feel like I think one thing it's just like with the culture and the church, what I've learned in recovery and what I've learned since now being in the stage of life I'm at now with kids and all this other stuff. Reality is like missions are super important. They're super great. It's something that of course you want everyone to go on and experience. But reality is. To think that those two years or year and a half is the they going to be the pinnacle of your life and spirituality, like you talk about when we go talk, is 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 a is a nightmare perspective in my opinion because life can show up like you know what I mean. You can have surgery, you can have to go home for legitimate reasons. It doesn't matter. I came home legitimately because I they told me this. Like my mission president sent me say, "You've used your medical do- like the church can only fund so much." You know what I mean? Like you've hit a point now where. It's just like, hey, you're awesome, dishonorable, you know, our honorable mission. Here's your, here's my letter from you, like, about you, so that way no one gets weird. And yet when I came home, it was the same feeling, you know what I mean? So, um, and I think it was, be, it was so devastating, the shame that goes into that. Um, and we for you, too, because it's not like your mom was, like... Yeah, like, I like decided to have like no a, one influenced me. You didn't have, like, a family of people, like... I wanted to be there more than anything, and, and yet I when I couldn't anymore... Uh, I still felt the same way. So what I'm getting at is the mission's not everything. It's every. It can be everything in your life to, to start. For most people, sport. it is. It is, but I think it could be. It's a culture thing. What I'm realizing is that your life's a freaking mission. That's how I feel. Like your life is a mission. My life's a mission. I thought yeah. I lived for the next eight years after that. This is just me. Obviously, I'm not interviewing me. But the next eight years after I got home early, like was me dealing with that shame and guilt. Same thing with Xander. I mean, he's talked about it. Like he literally, his biggest resentment was towards God. For coming home early because he felt like you know and he, he he didn't even make it out of the mtc he had so many back-to-back surgeries mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. which was so anyways life shows up so you're uh so where you're at so you're you're home for your mission you start hanging around with this 
crew and start experimenting? Yeah. And how quickly did things spiral from recreationally using to it's getting a grip of me? Uh, well, it took several years for me to actually realize that it was gripping me. In hindsight. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but, I mean, it took hold of me almost immediately. Okay. You know, I... I at the time, you didn't think you thought I have control over it. Yeah, but but in hindsight, you're it felt the the grips were pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. Looking back, I see that you know my all every area of my life was affected. My my job, I became less dependable. I was working for my dad, and um, as I had through most of my twenties, and uh, you know strained that relationship, um, you know, and then of course all my other uh, relationships in my life were were strained and. Um, you know, looking back, it's pretty obvious to me how quickly just, you know, just smoking marijuana and drinking uh, socially mm-hmm. had it such a huge impact on my life. And that's that's um, on our previous episode here. We, we played uh, some audio of a non-member guy. He does a he's a surf professional surfer and he does a vlog and he talked about how he stopped drinking, smoking, everything. And how that exact way you described affect your life affected him. But I think when you grow up in the church, all you see is the we didn't have Instagram probably when we were kids, but you just like mm-hmm. the positives of it. Yeah. Like, oh, it makes him loose. The the yeah. full glamour from movies or whatever. Even Friends like when you see school. people, you see the high, you don't see the down. Yeah. You don't see the next day. How fun the weekend was. And yeah. How you guys as Mormons that weren't a part of that. Yeah, so I felt like part of them, like, am I missing out? Um and I guess my testimony was like, I guess I hope. I'm not. I hope I'm not. <laughs> hoping that you were. I hope I'm not. Right. I'm gonna believe these people that I knew, and and then I saw that in between, like, well, I saw those people whose lives were wrecked, but there seems like a lot of people that can handle that are it. Still having a great. They're time, still having right? a great time. Am I missing out on that? Right. Um, I'm firm believer now. I wasn't. Yeah. Um, took years to be confirmed. Yeah, like I, I was really on faith. I was on faith. It was. It was a lot on faith. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But I didn't know. But I'm pretty sure I know now. I didn't miss out on anything. Well, yeah. There's guys like me and Nate and Vander and all these other addicts. Like yeah. we have to learn Figure from experience. Out. Yeah, we, you got to go out there. Like you know, yeah. The scriptures say try some, it out your, and see. You know your testimony on others, right? Yeah. So my testimony has been on others. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a valid testimony. So Absolutely. so hindsight, it gripped you pretty quick. Yeah, I'd say so. When did it go uh, from when did it go from recreational pot and alcohol? Because maybe there's some people that are listening that are that's all they're doing right now, and they're maybe saying, "Well, I'm not a heroin addict. I'm not this." And you just said, "Well, I'm sober from heroin, right?" Like, what, how did how how did you go to hero? Like, obviously there were steps, right? We already talked about that, and I know the story, but like, tell everyone how to go from recreational weed and alcohol, which is totally acceptable, like which is fine, and, and people do what they want to do in life, but in our culture, it's fully acceptable now. You know, outside the church and even some in the church, and so how does it go from that to heroin? Okay, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, for it's, you, it's a process for Obviously, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't happen overnight, and I think that's the the uh, that's the part that sneaks up on you. Is you, you was it logistics? Like, did you have a surgery? Like, I mean, obviously, like with mine, you know, mine started with the surgery on my mission pills, and then yeah, it, it there was some real uh, you know physical pain in there, course, and yeah, so. Yeah physical issues i i can't though pin it all to that or to one experience that there were times when i'm just drinking and smoking weed during that those first couple years that i just ran into however through friends you know a vicodin or some kind of pill yeah Yeah. and i like the way they make made me feel and so why wouldn't you want to take it so so, i never (laughs) took them for legitimate pain 
yeah. at, at the beginning. Yeah. So is it because you're inebriated on something else? It was like, oh, sure, I'll try it. It didn't seem like that big of a line to cross. That's a good question. I mean, I, I, or looking just back, the, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that I was like, most people have that in them where they're like, wait, those, those pills, I've never seen those. I don't know. I'm getting yeah. from you who I don't really know or whatever. Why would I take those? You didn't have that. No, for, I did not. For the, for the rest not. of us, like we just take whatever someone hands. Like, but yeah, but were you high when you decided that? Or was it a sober moment? Well, or I is mean, it just a mindset? I, th- I think it was. It's probably because you made that decision, like, "Hey, I'm gonna go live the world." Yeah. So I think it hey, all kind of started, world... the, you know, that. Like you didn't beginning. draw a line of the. Yeah, like here's know, here's the here's the street I, drugs I, I'll take. I'm not gonna go. To, you know, I'm gonna do everything but these drugs. But I want. I, I'm okay with these drugs here in this pile, or this line. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, I I can actually remember a time where I was like, I would never do meth yeah. or heroin. I was like that. that that's those are crazy drugs. Like I could never do those things, and um, you know, but I all, I'd be happy to take some pills. They seem so much more uh, uh, socially friendly, you know, socially acceptable. They seem friendly, yeah. You, you know, the doctor like, prescribes oh, them. They're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're legal in some people's hands. But yeah. What's the big deal with these? You just swallow them. There's no funny smell. There's no weird drug paraphernalia. And they look like Advil. They look like yeah, Tylenol. They look like something like that's made, And made in a clean lab someplace. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Little and, risk. And once you're, you know, fully desensitized and you and you have something that grabs a hold of you so tightly, those other worries of like, oh, like, that's weird. Like, can't you get hurt from smoking heroin or can't you uh, get a disease from shooting heroin? Whatever those, your issues were with it in the first place, you quickly forget about those once you're in the thralls of addiction so so the harder drugs came because of pills the yeah. heroin because yeah. of pill. okay yeah, which is pretty say, which is common right super common right. i was yes. talking to someone the other day it's like i think it was you we were talking about like how um how i have so many friends that like when i tell them my story in recovery right and i'm sure you've had this name where you're just talking about recovery or whatever and someone's like oh yeah i remember that one time i had surgery and they gave me viking and it was the greatest feeling and i, I you get that vibe that like they're just like we we were years ago where you're like, dude, the minutes, once you've had the high from it, of a pill, like a Vicodin or an, uh, any type of opiate, and if it, if it affects you the way it can, like it does, the euphoric high, whenever they're around, you'll, you're, not only would you glad, you'll ask, you're like, hey, can I have one? And you can manage that for years. Like, dude, you manage yeah. it for years, still functional. I used to work with Nate, you know, like in that, him and his family and um, still, you know, he's one of the bosses. Like, dude, he's a foreman, you know what I mean? Like, he was one of the... You know, I was just he a was worker. Boss. Yeah, I was a little worker boy, you know, like, you know, and, uh, but what I'm getting at is we could all just kind of dibble and dabble for years. You know, we could put them away and not have them for years. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you just wake up one day and there's no more dibble and dabble. Like, dude, if you don't have some that day, and I don't know where it happens, but it just all of a sudden wakes up and you're, you're at another level that you can't, you can't like go back from. Yeah. It's progressed I, so I would qu- totally agree with that. I mean, there, there was a point where, I didn't even know what an addict was or a drug addict was or withdrawals were or, you know, a chemical yeah. dependence on a drug was. And then it was so weird. I, I remember, you know, taking a lot of Vicodin or whatever it was at the time. And uh, I remember feeling sick a lot. I was like, why am I like, have like a flu again? It's like weird. You feel sick all the time. Yeah, I feel sick. And you, I didn't, like, you didn't correlate s- it at all. I absolutely could not, not draw the line. Yeah, that it was withdrawals. We didn't know. Like, these are withdrawals? These are, these are, yeah, withdrawals from a, you know, Heavy drugs. Yeah, an opiate. And your brain tells case. you the solution is take more. Yeah. Because it'll help your pain. Yeah, and, and I remember fi- finally drawing the line. I was like, wait a minute. Like, I'm I'm having, you know, a withdrawal from, 
from these opiates that I've been taking. And, and then I was like, man, is that, what is, you know, what, what is that? And then I remember make thing, well, does that make me a drug addict? Am I an addict? Yeah. Like, and then it, it was almost like around that time that I, that I kind of realized, Hey, like I have an addiction issue, yeah, you know, okay. with, with, uh, opiates. And these and, were pill form still. Yeah. Still pill form. Okay. And it, I, that was around that time that I remember just it losing, I completely losing control of it. It was where it was By the like, time you realize it was over. Oh, it's like, yeah. I was like, I have an issue late. here. Yeah. But I was like, as soon as you realize you have an issue, it went, yeah, they're gone. You're like trying to pump. Oh wait, now I'm actually speeding down the hill. Holy crap. I have and no brakes. So, it was like almost over with. I mean, I could, yeah. I still had a, somewhat of a grip on my life, my professional life and my personal life somewhat, you know, I, I still had a job and these kinds of things. Make sure to convince yourself if, if you're outside world, like you were still working for your dad. Yeah. Did he think you had it together? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else in our life notices real quickly. No. Okay. Yeah. He, he, uh, well, he knew that I hadn't been going to church for all these years. And so it was pretty in his mind who, who grown up in the church and, and always have lived a very active, uh, you know, life's church lifestyle, whatever. And he, it just, he could see very easily. I wasn't going to church. I smelt like pot sometimes. Nate's not doing good. Yeah, okay. But n- not to the level. You know, like you just don't know. Like there's no way they can know. No. There's no way you're I'm looking at your parents, even my parents was there, who were outside the church. Was church there church. conversations like? There was a couple times that he, um, that it caused me to be kind of flaky sometimes at work. You know, if I was drinking till three in the morning, I had to get up at five. Yeah. Work started really early. I would, would miss dogs. work sometimes. So yeah. uh, that put a strain on my mine and my dad's relationship. And um, he relied on me a lot for, you know, what what we did. You were a foreman, right? Yeah, you we were, do yeah, construction, bot, residential like. remodels. And, and, yeah, and I ran a crew for him. And I had been doing it for years and years. I helped him uh, start the company. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just became not very dependable. And, you know, it was hard for my dad because him and I are – very very much like we look almost exactly like we have all the same interests and he uh it was hard for him who's lived such a good wholesome life to see me struggling someone that he sees himself in yeah and so it it was just it was hard for him how to manage me picturing my son right now like what would i what would be going through my head what would i say yeah, how many chances do you give them? Do you, you know, yeah. you're, his, how do you, you're their yeah, boss and their line. father. So what, yeah, what do you, it's both. It's a what do you complex it's easy, role. It's easy coming Absolutely. from the outside when someone, like whenever we're giving advice to people, we get parents hit us up all the time, you know, and from this podcast or whatever. And you're like, yeah, like I tell everyone, I'm like, listen, I have kids. So I, I get the love, but I, 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 to be honest, like you need to talk to another parent that's been there because to be honest, I don't, I, I, I hope I never have to go through that experience because even being an addict in recovery, I know how to set boundaries with people. But to someone you use your blood, like it's like Brad just said, he's sitting here immediately thinking about how how do I do that with my kid, you know? So there's no, I don't think there's, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough road for anyone. I always looked up to Nate. Nate um, obviously has a lot of brothers. You know, you have a a big family, but uh, Nate Nate was. You know, I remember like, you know, you were the brother. They, they told me, like, I think t- your younger brother uh, told me that, like, you know, um, Nate's not active in this. And he's, you know, he's got tattoos and he looked gnarly. You know, and I'd been now in the church culture, which is that was the culture I grew up in. But like now I've been in the church culture for about four years. And but I just remember, like, it could tell you weren't happy. Like, you know what I mean? Like there was there is a uh, compared to who you are now, like. Right. 
Nate was a little he's like where I which now makes sense because where I ended up becoming later in life when I was married not fully immersed I didn't go fully to heroin but I might as well for like the amount of opiates sure. but I mean I became a very angry person Lexi's talked about the verbal abuse and, and, and just the aggression that I had in my life and like Nate now like compared I mean even even to even back when we were five years ago and going to that meeting you had become another per like you know what i'm saying yeah. that makes oh, sense absolutely i mean i was definitely i was really rough around the edges and uh you weren't happy though like i could see well right see my, my parents always say i was their sweetest child they have eight children eight and that i i was kind of the lover were they, the oldest say no i'm the third Three, okay and uh you know all my my aunts and my you know uncles or whoever you always loved watching Nate. He was so sweet. And I remember that. I remember just always being happy as a kid, you know, never really having any worries. And it was around, um, it, it lasted all the way up, like almost exactly the time I came home from my mission. I remember right before being really, really happy and having great experiences with my yeah. cousin and, and uh, other friends getting ready to go on their missions and things like that. And we all left around the same time on our missions. And around the time I came home, I just almost was like never happy again like really truly like carefree happy smiley the person that i had been my whole life and um uh so now being sober for a couple years now so it's two years you got a two-year chip this yeah, week right got a two-year chip I, on on uh, sunday i had my two-year birthday and uh yeah i mean i almost just a, a few months into me getting sober i was get i had that got that happiness back and I've, you know, I've had it since. What you remember being, but yeah, my parents 18, said the 19. same thing. They're like, you, like, like you are, you know, this is how you are. This is you. This is the real you. We haven't seen this you, you know, in a very long time. So that you're literally a different person. Like, yes. I mean, obviously, like, just like I was different. When, like, when you met, when I met, when you Nate, met Nate, was he? He was the hard brother because all okay. the brothers worked. You were, and, in, I, and they were a couple of them were foremen, and they, you know, they had their things too, but. Nate was like intense. Like when you first was... met Nate, he was in an addiction. <laughs> yes, yes, but okay. but like, and I was just coming home from my mission, so I was I would try to be sober for a little bit, but I got back into it real quick, like I said. And same thing, it was just like war hurt at work, whatever. But I remember Nate being like, the, when I got because you call, how it worked is you call in the night before to see who you're paired up with, like a, a worker would be with a foreman or two workers depending on how big the job was. And when I got Nate, every time I was like, oh man, I'm like he hates me. Like this guy's like this, he's so like. He's, in, he's tough, dude. He's, like, tough, you know? Everyone else was, like, there were some non-members and people, members but non-members, whatever. But, like, you could tell Nate, like, uh, was a live like, you were, I didn't know at the time because I was struggling. But, like, I could just, I remember just, like, you were, you are literally a whole other person. I know people say that to me, too. But it's, like, dude, you were, not, you're, like, you're just like, so happy now. Like, you know, you're so, like, you're not at all, you're not even, like. Yeah, you may look this. You nothing like you were, like nothing like you were. I remember like being like to your younger brothers, like, does he hate me, dude? I think so gnarly. Like, dude, he was so just. He was just. Hey, insane. to my defense, Jay, yeah. dude, you were a little bit of a punk. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I was the worst. I would Let's imagine. Just, so. say, a little bit of punk is an understatement. He's trying to be nice, dude. I was, I was the biggest flake ever, and I've been a flake for most of my life. But that was definitely, <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely a hard yeah, summer. I, definitely was, I was a jerk for sure. Yeah. And he was a little punk. Yeah, yeah. Of Spoiled like his mom was like. Oh yeah. Didn't pack his lunch. He was throwing a yeah, fit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. I uh, that was the you know, the summer I told you I lived off monsters and, and flaming hot Cheetos. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 Was he as ripped as he said he was? He said that he was, was pretty lean and ripped. Then believe it or not, uh, was that with you when I? Okay, well you can answer that. I brought, no, you. 
I think you just thought you were. I, <laughs> I think I probably <laughs> thought I was. Well, we're, I was telling you him about the time. You live on that tan. I'll get you. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay, so this goes in my story. I'm glad you said that. Was that with you when we were coming back from San Diego job? And I remember we're driving by the border, um, by the border. Ocean Tide border check. Yeah, yeah. And I had to run out to go to the bathroom, and you, um, it was like bumper to bumper trap. Was that you or your, your brother? Where border patrol came up like hardcore because I was in cut off dickies, I had plaster all over me, and I was brown as it was like August. And I ran <laughs> I up to go. Was that you? I don't think so. Okay, maybe it's your brother. But I told Brad about this the other day when we were in bumper to bumper traffic. I was like, dude, one time I was with your brother, and I ran out to go to the bathroom on the side of the road. On the side of the. Five freeway, freeway, right. freeway, but it was so stopped and like we had so much farther to go. I had to go. And it was passing Camp Pendleton, and dude, Border Patrol came out of nowhere, guns drawn. And every, I looked like a Mexican running up into the thing, but where are they? And you're uh, now I, I couldn't remember if it was you or, or your brother, and you're, it was definitely your brother because he he comes running out of the truck like I swear he's, I didn't have my wallet, nothing, and like no. I, out of I, I shaved head. Like, I looked so vatoed out. It was yeah, unreal. Yeah. I had no shoes, no shirt. And I'm going... <laughs> just, just, it looked like I was that's running that's into the bushes. That was like perfect Jay back then. Yeah. That was like... I was always doing something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I was the worst helper ever, probably. <laughs> like, the laziest, worst person to work with. But anyways, you're a whole other person. You doing now. manual labor would probably be... It's the worst. Still is today. Yeah. If I have to do it. It's horrible. I've... Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Move on. Confirmed. <laughs> confirmed. So, you confirmed a lot of things from me. Yeah. Um... So let's uh, should we fast forward till yeah so when I so I come home from my wife where, where do you guys go together so how we for ARP? So, so my wife leaves me obviously I come home I tell Xander we hadn't talked for years I and this this is after so you've worked for him and then you stopped working you got married years you yeah. went off away yeah we had all, we had, still cool we had like developed a, a friendship for over sure. the years of working with each other yeah. I mean it, it I I mean I always considered you a friend. 100%. Um, when we weren't in a work environment, we, you know, totally like we're in the same group. It was like the same group, like same group of this, like there was a group of us that were half in half out. You know what I mean? Like they were like trying to be in at times, but we were all just, we were, I would say like looking back, we're all struggling period. Like there's no way around it. But yet the sad part is we were like kids. Like we shouldn't have been struggling so hard, but because we let the world in our life individually and together as a group, none of us could really like help each other. But we mm-hmm. all we all were good people, right? Like we all yeah. wanted to do good. Yeah, good friends. We were just stuck. Everyone seemed to be stuck. We we're all kind of different spots, but we we're all stuck. If that makes sense. So then I come home. I tell Xander um, what's going on, and uh, come home from what? From Lexi leaving. Okay, you know, so that, I'm so on this my is, mom's couch. This is the I, you drove your wife to to Hatchby, dropped Hatchby, her off, dropped her off with my kid. Drove home. You tell Xander what's tell going Xander, on. Tell Xander, and I don't know how he says. He's like, dude, I, I'm I'm actually trying to kick too, and obviously knew about his addiction. You knew he was for sure. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, and and. I think maybe with your other brother and you or however it came up, it's like, oh, me, me and Nate are going to this meeting in San Clemente and you come down. I'm like, it's a church one. And I had never been to AA, never been to a meeting ever, you know, um, knew I had a problem, but like at the same time, like was not, I was so bitter that my wife left me that like, I was in such denial that it was like next level, like next level BS, Brad. Like there, I don't still to this day, I don't think we've, you've seen someone in the two years you've been doing this so full of crap as as i was like to the point where like i was lying to my like i was hardcore lying to myself because anyways and and they took me so they said we're gonna go to this meeting we all get get together we go eat pizza and xander this is orchestrated by xander for sure because he's like i want to take you to meet my sponsor because i'm yeah. full of it and uh and i remember oh absolutely was we had it right it was totally orchestrated <laughs> yeah. right like they're trying to help me like <laughs> you remember that for yeah sure. absolutely dude for sure there had to be an orchestrated because it was because then the conversation was led because i'm thinking we're i'm just going with them I'm thinking like I'm just doing this so that way Xander you're going to fucking, support them. Uh, yeah, 
That's that's how yeah, full that's crap exactly I, what he thought it was. Exactly. He thought he's like, this is oh, great yeah, for I'm gonna, you. I'm gonna, yeah, it's great for you guys. You you know, drug that's addicts. What I said. I'll, I'll I'll go with you guys and you know, I'll be your support. <laughs> All these things. It's like. Are you listening to this guy? We're all looking at each other like... I'm sleeping on my mom's couch. My <laughs> wife left me. I'm broke, and I'm detoxing from five different prescription drugs that I've yeah. been using for seven years now. And I'm thinking that and they you, have a problem. And you, and you knew that. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I knew. I knew maybe not all of every it, yeah, fine yeah. detail, yeah. but yeah, I knew yeah. Jay he, had a problem like he was I inter- did. He was, okay. Yeah. But in my eyes, I was better. Like, this is how full of crap. That's what I tell you. When I went in that room the first time, including those who took me, including Xander and Nate, everyone else was... I was... I realized later and after months and months of going to the meeting that I was one of those addicts that like my ego was going to kill me no matter what because like I was at the lowest point of my life and I was still somehow looking down on more people. Like I'm in the curb and in the gutter drinking from the water and yet I'm looking down still on someone. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to find that in order to boost who I am, like the denial that I was in. And I remember a conversation they had with Xander's uh, sponsor and we were eating pizza and they were like, Xander like obviously knew the answers. It was they were just trying to like find a way to manipulate you know in a good way to try to help me. Ask you a question that they wanted like, you yeah, to hear yeah, the yeah, answer yes, to. Exactly. Right. Like so, do you think who? By the way, he had like ten years, right? So he's yeah. the only one sober in this group. Like we're all trying. Legit and he, sober, he's yeah, legit sure. sober. Yeah. Life's good together. He's like, so is it possible for someone to just like have a quantity? Because that's what I used to say. <laughs> I had a quantity problem. Like if I could just get the right dose and you know to not really be an addict. And I, I'll never forget that conversation because like I. It, it was kind of the beginning, like, you know what I mean? I remember that first meeting, of course, I wasn't, I didn't just all click. It took time. It took a lot of time. And we ended up starting to work together again it, it, while I'm separated from my wife. We we get a job working for a guy in the church, and uh, we start spending a lot of time together. You and Nate. Me and Nate. Uh, not okay. Xander, me and Nate. And uh, Nate was like, dude, he was like doing the do. Like, it was obviously hard for us both, but like, he helped me. I had so many, once I decided that I was an act and finally came clean and said that at a meeting, then I had a lot of, dude, I didn't know what to do. I know it just like you, like, it, like you said, you had no clue what it meant to be an addict. What is, what is recovery? And so I was just like asking questions from anyone. And um, obviously that's kind of where. How many goes. months did that take? And were you guys, were you like farther along or yeah, like I mean, far along on recovery? Yeah, I, I had just gotten out of. Uh, that's right. You just got out of I had just gotten out of a, a short, like 30 day program right. okay right. before this dinner thing right yeah. but around the time like i the got out time. of it i, I was when i started i went start going to meetings um outside of that uh that out rehab whatever treatment. i was in the 30-day treatment and you know the guys that i knew doing that kind of thing were like xander you know and and uh there was a couple other guys and so i started hanging out with xander more i was trying to change my friend group and i knew xander was also trying to you know put his life in a different direction and uh it just happened that around that time jay was going through the things that he was going through and so it was kind of easy to pull him in too and and exactly all kind of crew crew together and i mean that lasted for a few months yeah a few months and uh yeah because we started working together and things like that so but then i think i got let go my then lexi came back so when lexi came back then obviously like the single life because i was seeing like i was hanging out with them a lot that's all I had was him, his yeah, brother. You were like, pure single, no kids. And pure single. Lexi had, came it, back. had Rusty every other week, my son every other week. So, like, I, there was one week, you know, I'd basically hang out for a week, and the next week I was home all day, you know, because, yeah, anyways, I had to take care of him. But, um, but uh, yeah, I, I feel like it, it's crazy how the Lord but, put it all in once. Because if I would have came home and didn't have him and him and Xander, like Nate and Xander, I'd have zero. I wouldn't have gone to that first meeting. Like, you know, period. Like, if and the duck. I saw the bishop, who was who you've met, you know, yeah. here in our stake. Um, 
he thought I was full of crap, you know. I mean, which I was, and and but if he, it it wasn't his counsel to go to a meeting, you know what I mean? He didn't he, really he didn't know, know about, about it. Meetings. Yeah, didn't know about the meeting. So, so really, I didn't. If like you have no idea how pivotal, like I tell Xander all the time, but I don't see as much. But like how pivotal your 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 influence was, because even though you weren't perfect, just like I wasn't or am not now, you influenced me to want to do it. Because I remember looking at you as the older brother, right, of a friend. And then who I worked for was hard. And it's like, dude, you'd made this drastic change. And you were already then, even though that was five years ago, a whole nother person than I had remembered from years ago. Like as far as you had a light, like you said, it, it came back. Like it was like a light. I don't so know. question for you, Jay. He, he had been to a 30-day treatment. Yeah. Um, was there a point where you're like, I need to go to a 30-day treatment to help me uh, get off of these? I pro- uh, No, or, I mean, like I think, uh, I, think uh, I don't know how I – I think if I would have kept going from there on, I think I, f- I felt like kept going what? I mean, if I would have kept you, so when my Using. wife left me, like yeah. where, where that was my like I said that was my box. But I know that if I would have kept going for sure, if I would have survived that next round or whatever, that if you would have kept using, then it, yeah, is that what you mean by going? Yeah, yeah, going okay. hard then because it was already so hard with the amount of different prescriptions. How at that point? How long of going to meetings? After that Xander, did you stop taking? Like, when did you take? Yeah, the not, first right tip? not right away. Not right away. I remember months? getting Suboxone, and that kind of helped cr- cr- cut the cravings. You know, like he said, and I didn't even get it legitly. You know, but um, like from a doctor, or whatever. But it definitely helped, and um, I just followed. You know, the counsel of how to use it. You know, and then, and then by then, it, that gave me enough time to go to the meetings, because I ran out of pills like my second week home. Okay, and then it was like a fork in the road. Like, do I go get more or do I stop? Yeah, because I'm still hanging out with people that could easily get them, you know. Um, and all I do is make that phone call. And I used one other time from some, a friend, a mutual friend of ours, and I used. <clears throat> and I remember taking the pill around Christmas time in December of 2012. And thinking I had been sober for a couple of weeks. And he got me a Percocet. And I remember taking it. And I remember with my mom and kid, I thought that was going to be it, right? It had been two weeks. And if anyone is an addict, like, you go two weeks sober, like you feel like you're dead, like you're dying, like you're just throwing up every day. You have the crap, like you can't even function. So when I got these couple pills, I was like, this is it. Like, this is going to make me feel good. They didn't even, not only did they not work, I didn't get high, but it didn't even change my symptoms, which was the first time ever. And that's how I knew how sick I was. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror like, Look at you're you're like look at you. You're still chasing. You're ch- chasing. Your wife's left you. You're sleeping with the dog on the mom's couch. You're you can barely take care of your own kid when you have him once a week. You know every other week, and you're still chasing this high. Like and that's when I kind of looked at myself and got honest. And I think that next week, whatever month that was, it was like three months of being home, two months of being home. I was like, I'm an addict, dude. I just shared it in the meeting, and it was the most. That's why I talk about it. Didn't change everything, but yeah. it was like the you beginning. Remember, were you there? I don't know if he was there. Not probably. Maybe he was. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't remember specifically. So, yeah. so you, Jay's got almost five years. You almost got two years. So that yeah. first going to ARP back in that crew didn't did not last very long. No, I around that time I had also after I got out of that uh, treatment program I started taking Suboxone, and um, I did that for the next probably better part of two years. Um, and it was pretty effective for me. I mean, I was able to get um, a grasp on most aspects of my life, get a job, um, you know, uh, be functional, get get be somewhat healthy, you know, yeah. 
physical, be able to do physical activities, things like that, things that I enjoyed, not have to obsess over drugs every second of my life. Um, and then, you know, for whatever reason, there just became a time after, you know, a year or two of doing that, that I kind of just started dabbling again, kind of going off. And every time I did that, there was maybe... So when you're doing Suboxone, you weren't smoking weed or drinking? No, uh, I, I might've been, uh, I might've been drinking occasionally, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. I think there okay. was at least several months where I wasn't doing anything but this boxing. And at that point of life, were you going to church at all? Uh, yeah, usually in those like couple brief stints of sobriety, I would start going back to church, and and I believe this was one of them, where with um, family or singles ward, uh, like or? a singles ward. Okay. Yeah, typically. S- and did you feel internally compelled, like, hey, I got my crap together, I'm going to start going? Or were you getting pressured to go? What was no, the motivation no to go? No pressure. I just, uh, if there was any pressure, it came from myself. Like, I, I wanted to, you know, go back to church. I felt like the, the big hang-up for me was um, the lifestyle that I had and that I was so tightly bound to because of drugs. So I felt like when I got a little bit of a distance between myself and that, um, I could pay more attention to something that I felt like I really wanted to do. At that was it time. like feeling comfortable at church or was it that you would get more out of it by going? I felt like that was what I needed to do. Okay. Um, you needed it for your, for yourself. Yeah. I needed it for myself. And, um, I felt like that was what I sh- should be doing was supposed to be doing. And, um, you know, I, I ultimately wanted to settle down, you know, and I felt like that would, was probably what, settle, what do you mean by settle down? Uh, have a family eventually, you know, by this okay. time in my late 20s and, okay. um, you know, approaching my 30s. And I felt like the, the clock was ticking on, on that kind of thing. Okay. And if I, you know, wanted to marry someone, uh, you know, I, I obviously needed to have my act together. And um, so that, that I think that was probably a motivation, too. Okay. Did you stop going to meeting? Like, what? Well, I, 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 it's good. Remember, there are people listening to this and at all points of their recovery. Do you feel like? Um, do you feel like there were like how did how did the drug use? Because you were like super committed. You were like one of those. Like I said, you were like one of those people that were just no matter what club. Yeah, yeah. It was like, well, but he was also going to. A, like, he wasn't just going to. Okay. ARP. He was like Xander. Like Xander was going to mm-hmm. a meeting a day. Like I mean, way more putting in the work because you're like one day we once a week to be honest like i've said this a hundred times like uh nothing special my my wife if i wasn't in the situation where my wife came back you're right like say i was single i don't know i doubt i would have gotten sober that whole time you know what i mean i would made a stent like anyone else but i would have had a long more road you know what i mean the consequences seeing a kid another kid coming like you know what i mean those things hands down played a huge you know, and we've we've talked to people so that it's gone even. He talked about your clock was ticking, your your alarm was going off. My alarm's right. going off. It's like, dude, yeah. you're gonna have another kid. Like, yeah. are you gonna be a schmuck? Didn't have a dad, so it's like all these things that have been down there. It's like, but I was on the I was on a I was on the fence too. You know, like I went to church, but she, dude, that first year of sobriety was like I might as well not have been there. You know what I mean? Like I was not, I was still gone. You know, right, still checked out, still checked out for yeah. a long time. So I guess what my question is is um, where did it come back? Because maybe someone's listening that's in your same shoes. They're taking Suboxone. They're off heroin, which is great, right? Well, of course, me and you, anyone should be on Suboxone instead of heroin. However, when what what do you feel like? Did that hinder, did that, was that part of the reason why you went back to drugs? Was that, how, how does it come back in? 
Where did uh, it for change? me the yeah. couple uh, the couple times that I had been on uh, a suboxone maintenance program, yeah. it I seems like they both ended similarly, and that was um, not being able to no, you know afford the program it's expensive because it's very expensive, <laughs> and uh, there just came a time where. It just didn't make sense anymore. I, I couldn't afford it for whatever reason, so I would try to taper myself down. And um, it was just like inevitable that when I would do that and I'd try to eventually get off um, and I no longer had the resources to pay for it yeah. or a doctor to see to prescribe it, mm-hmm. um, it was like... Right away, the, the cravings come yeah, back. Yeah, give it a couple weeks. and So in your opinion, that's a good thing you brought it up because I know there's different opinions in recovery. I mean, me and Brad have had this discussion with a lot of people, and I've had this over the years. Um, obviously, once again, if you're listening, it's better to not be on heroin, period. Like, no matter what, you're not, right? Obviously, right. we're in – because so I, I've offended people in the past. Like, you know what I mean? And it's because maybe they don't know my whole story. Like, I took Suboxone. I, I, that curbed my cravings better than anything. I've, cold, sure. I've done cold turkey. That was hell. This was – Hell, but it was manageable. Yeah, it's right? effective. It's effective hell. And uh, But I did it short term, you know? So do you feel like, um, looking back now on your situation, do you feel like a long-term maintenance program is good or bad? I've never talked about this on the podcast with anyone. I feel like it saves some people's lives. For sure. For sure. And I, I have a hard time saying that... Uh, for you personally, that's all we have is our experience. Right? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, for me... I think there were some times in my life that it probably saved me. Yeah. That I think that it was definitely a great, great transition. Saved you because you may have overdosed on heroin? or Yeah, I think I was in a level. very bad spot. And, and if it weren't for something, uh, a drug like that, that, that could keep me satisfied, but it's weird how have it none of the negative side yeah, effects. Yeah, it's hard to explain. Then, um, you're not necessarily high, but you're not, necessarily, you're not craving either. Yeah. And you're not getting sick. That's the thing. Like, dude... Keeps when you, you from going in withdrawal. So what, what is what is the normal prescription for Suboxone? Thing, dude, it's such a, is, it's is a, it like well, this, this should be a six-month thing, four-month thing, two-year thing? It's like discretion. It's, like it's not – there's no real – like anything else. There's no protocol. That's the scary part. Yeah, that's why yeah. we're having people – Some people stay in it for a long, long time, many, many years. They, they just – Some people, it's a cure-all. Now, like, Jay, you don't, you're not a fan of Suboxone. Well, I am. Um, like, I am so for a short period of time. So short I, like, period of I, – I, with, I, with the end goal of getting off – 100%. The drugs. Yeah, because eventually, like you said, life experience uh, for me, uh, well, once again, all we have is our experience. So like, like, like you Is there saying, any medical reason to be on Suboxone for years? It's hard to say. Some people say, well, I'll die if I go on, you know, if I get off, I'll go right back. Some people. Is, is it because I can't handle life without it? Is that why? Yeah, Maybe. There's yeah. definitely, I, w- I would say in a lot of those uh, circumstances, some underlying issues. That are know, more like psychological. I don't know. My, my experience with it was yeah there were some times that it definitely was a benefit to me but it i think was proven in me that uh it never was gonna fix everything for me i needed to find a way to be a hundred percent sober in order for my life to thrive now and we're during that time were you as jay and a lot of people we've had on the podcast says go to meetings have a sponsor work the steps constantly and you can remain in sobriety. Yeah, so how did you make were you, the switch? Were you so doing that? that? Like, were you doing you... that and in taking Suboxone? Or did you did you wean off and stop going to meetings, stop reaching out to a sponsor? Yeah, it 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 just tapered off. So, okay. you know, from having the Suboxone program and then going to meetings and 
Um, you know, honestly, when I was taking Suboxone, I never really felt great about being in meetings anyways because I knew if the people in the rooms knew I was on Suboxone, that, that, that that's considered a taking a drug. Okay. And so it's kind of an uncomfortable feeling. You, I never really felt like getting fully immersed into an AA or any type of a 12-step program because I felt like I was dirty. Okay. What's well, the answer to that? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's, it's like anything else. It's a, that, that's the hard part is this whole thing, like Suboxone is a relatively new drug, right? It's a relatively new solution. The, the old one was methadone. We, we both know personally people who've died on methadone, mixing it with other drugs or alcohol. And so Suboxone's looked at. Is it equivalent to like, I'm drinking vodka every no. day, I'm gonna go to beer? No. You know, I like don't think so. I I'm mean, gonna... it's hard to say. I, I, it's it's completely different. It's hard to explain. Like like you said, it allows. This is the best way I can explain. It, it allows you to not be sick and lay in bed all day sick, right? Okay. Which was what happens. Which you what stop, you, okay. you stop with opiates tomorrow, you're, and you're using every day like the level he was or I was. You're gonna be miserable for a long period of time, and then afterwards, then you got to deal with all these emotions and feelings and dealing with life. So it allows you to just kind of be numb from the physical side effects. But yet, not fully. Because opiates not fully have, coherent either, though. You're not fully clear. It's still a high. Like there's a weak, but it's not like a high high. Like it's like a, you're still numb. So that's a, why he's saying it's a numbing. I, it's I felt a numbing. the same way. It's my, very long acting, yeah. uh, synthetic opiate that that just kind of keeps in your system. Yeah, just, stays in your system. You take it once a day, and it lasts for a very long time. So you can only take it. You only need to take it once a day. And I mean, it's a band aid solution. That's yeah, what it that's, is. That's the best way to put it. So my wife came back, when Lexi came back, I was still on Suboxone, and I remember going, having that same thing that he's talking about, where I was like, I knew I still wasn't sober, right? I was going to meetings now three months, right? Quote, unquote, taking three months, chips and stuff. But I was still taking Suboxone. I was tapering down to a very, because I didn't have a doctor. So somebody ask, if you're, yeah. do you sponsor anybody now? No. If you're sponsoring someone now, no. Jay, what would be your um, I have, I've sponsored several people that have taken Suboxone. Suboxone. Um, I just, uh, what's your plan? Yeah, okay. I asked him right off the bat. I'm like, are you... It, is your goal, like a guy in our local meeting here, um, when he first came in, he was an opiate addict for years, mm -hmm. and he said he was on Suboxone, I need a sponsor. I said, sweet, I'm down to sponsor you. However, what's your goal with that? Like, are you going to be on this long term? If that's the case, there's no point, in my opinion. I said, it was like, there is still a point, but like, to For honest, you, for you to for sponsor. For me, my experience, knowing what it was like to be on it, and then getting off it, and then feeling the difference, even in, even in like white knuckling, it is still different than having a little bit of Suboxone to me. So I said, what's your goal? And he's like, no, I'm down to do whatever you say. And I was like, all right, let's rock and roll. And we, you know, he winged off with his doctor and did, and it was hell and it felt just the way you probably felt for you. So it it's like another we, withdrawal thing, right? It's, yeah, and, and there's ways of minimizing it. You know, if you taper right, you can, you, can, uh, you know, kind of lessen some of the big negative side effects. Of and your doctors withdrawal. weren't working with you to do that? They were just like, Prescribe it, or yeah, we... it's not. They're not. It's like not their issue. That's that's, that's weird. A, you gotta understand, like as, a, as like someone so that Brad's never been in this, the 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 throat. You know why I'm so? I get really pat. Like it's changed. Yeah, these when doctors... we talk about like certain addictions, I don't, I'm not as passionate. But when we talk about opiates, I get really gnarly because you don't understand like the bit like to be a part of that business side and to see that they capitalize on people like you sick. And other people that are sick, and then it's like, like, sweet, we can just put you on this drug. We're making money on this, and yeah, as long as you're not trying dying, to be your therapist or your addiction a specialist or whatever it is. Anyways, they're just okay. Here, you know, take half a, a tablet yeah. daily, blah blah blah, whatever it is, whatever they feel. And you know, so I would myself. Like, your symptoms are this. Oh, take this, and it'll take those oh, symptoms you're, away. You're a heroin addict. You're an opiate user. Then you want to get off it. I went these. to this sweet golf tournament where they told me that this helps you get off. <laughs> that's what I'm picturing. That's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. yeah it's there you go. More or less, that's what it's like. And so you have to be the one to try to taper yourself, and that 
takes a lot of self-control. So, and so that, 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 that shows me the power of, it's just, I don't have much experience outside. I have no experience outside ARP, but like coming to meetings, ARP, having a sponsor and being open in those meetings. Like if you were open saying, hey, I just kicked heroin. I'm on Suboxone. I need a sponsor. You're going to meet a guy like Jay or someone else. And they're going to, okay, what's your plan? That's That could have helped. Yeah, that's. Absolutely. It. I mean, there's a guy in the meeting today yeah. said uh, it's not um, determination. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, ability to your take ability direction. to take direction. That's what it yeah. is. Your ability, your your success in being sober. Amen. That's it. I mean, if you if you can be humble, and you can take direction from a sponsor, uh, from anyone else that has some experience in recovery that can point you in the right direction, and just just really uh, show humility. And put in the work. I promise you, know, you can be okay. You, you'll make it. So, um, what's next for you? you have two years sobriety. Are you going to meetings now? I, I, what, how are you going to stay sober? Um, well, just put putting putting uh, putting in the work. The same thing I've been doing for the last two years. Yeah, I because Jay says, "What we'll gets you sober won't we'll keep you sober." Yeah. You say that all the time. Yeah, that's, and once again, it's just regurgitating what I heard in another meeting. But but you believe sure, that? Yeah, yeah. I, I I feel like well, and even in just because let's clarify for everyone, just because someone takes a five year chip really doesn't mean a lot. I mean, it does at times. It can. It it can mean a lot. But reality is, you can. You, I've told you this. I've said this in the meetings, and I've said this on the podcast. I can be as sick as I was using in my sobriety. Sure. Because that's, that's the difference of being sober and being in recovery. Yeah. That's yeah. like, there's a terminology is like, I'm sober. I mean, I'm not getting high anymore. I've had 12 months. I probably had a six month or eight month period where even doing this meeting every week, sponsoring five or six dudes personally suffering from, 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 from weaknesses, fears, anxiety, the things that lead you to drugs. So just right. cause I wasn't taking a drug. Like, I mean, reality is like, that, that that's once we talk about why do we take chips why do, do this that's really it, it's it's to show an accomplishment but really it's to help the newcomers walking in the first day going i don't know how i can live 24 hours and i don't believe any of you can either like right. i was in that meeting i was like right. if you're an addict like me you, none of you guys are sober you're lying you're full of it right like because dude you can't live without them like you that's what we used to, i thought yeah. that for years i thought that I thought you're giving like, hope you're, there's no hope yeah it's not even a fraction so when you see a guy take five years or two years tonight, there's people in this room I know about, so I asked you to come. You know, it's like, which you would have came no matter what, but like, there were people in here that I'm sponsoring that, like, dude, seeing you take that two-year chip is what it was like when I saw someone take the two-year chip. Sure. Or remember, you know, what's her name he used to facilitate, you know, in the San Clemente when she took first year, took her year chip, that changed my life, dude. Like, cause I was like, she has a similar story, lost her kid, got it back, you know what I mean? Right. And so it's like, you're tonight taking that two-year chip, literally, I know for a fact, inspired, at least three people in here that are severe opiate acts that are on the point of like one of them specifically who's like every day is kicking he's tapering down right now so that's why it's that's the power of like coming to meetings and taking chips like you know what i mean because at first i was not into it i was not into the whole chip thing i looked at it as another way that like my ego is going to come back in and i didn't really want to be a part of it until i understood that part and i tell you man i promise you that there's at least two people in here that i know about um one of them who i sponsor the other one who i'm kind of like mentoring and helping um, for sure, you gave them hope tonight. Yeah, like one hundred percent. That's huge, and that's just one of the many benefits of these types of uh, programs. I mean, and uh, I, I remember myself being in a similar situation early on in my sobriety, being in a twelve-step program and seeing Dude, people take chips, chips and yeah. you're just like, man, like that. 
that's I want that. Yeah. And it is a huge huge motivation, and you know, I'm glad I could maybe sure. help someone. Well, I I personally challenge you to. Um, I mean, addiction is a. <laughs> why are you laughing? Because I love your challenges, bro. Well, because I just. <laughs> I, I see it. you. I'm like your your <laughs> background's good. different than Jay, right? You're yeah. not married, right? I'm not married, no. So you got some sweet tattoos. Sure. Right. You you did the suboxone for a long time. Yeah. Right. Like you're uniquely positioned to help someone that differently than Jake can. Jake can help a lot of people, but you're different. You've had that where you can go, no, dude, you need to taper off because look at my, you know, this is my story. And all you can do is share your experience. And, and that may be the difference of saving someone's life, saving a marriage. And, and it just, and the flip side, it's going to keep you sober. Yeah. And sure. I've, over the years of, you know, I'm the normie here, but asking questions, but I just see people come in. I'm like, oh, great. And I've seen it come to fruition. Like, he is going to be a huge help to that person yeah, in about right. five months. And that's what they we don't know. They don't know it yet, but they're going to, that, oh, that's perfect. I'm like, we like orchestrate. Gonna, like, like here. that's going to happen. Like, and then it does. I'm like, because that, the, only that person over there is going to help that person or go to yeah. that meeting and help that person. And you may not realize that yet, but, um, and, and, and another thing, have you said, I'm thankful for my addiction yet? Are you? Of course. You are? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Cause, cause that blows my mind the first time I'm like, you really like that one, like you were living, you're eating food at a dumpster and you're yeah, thankful that like, you were yeah. an addiction. Like th- that's insane. Yeah. But then I see like the high you get from helping people you know when jay goes out and we go i drag him along to these stakes and i'm like hey you're gonna come speak to the stake president and tell him about how the bishops didn't tell you anything he's like what i'm like just just say like i already know what his story is like just say these things that that you always say he's like all right and then he walks out he's like dude that was the best thing ever i'm like whatever like that's what you always say but it was so impactful to you yeah it's good to relate you i mean I forget my, we all forget our own story. It's natural. It's just the way it is. And it, I can't say the it. scriptures talk about remember, right? King yeah. Benjamin, right? His biggest remember, thing. Remember, remember. Remember, remember. Well, reality is like, take an addict now that's tenfold. If we don't remember, we'll die. Like normally you just may not live to your fullest potential, but you probably live the rest of your life happy with addicts that have been opiate addicts, especially, right? Because we, we're the ones who die more than most addicts, right? Right. Um, unfortunately, and same with alcohol, but you know, opiates kill more people than most things. And, Reality is like our slip ups. If we if we don't remember our past, it'll come back. I've seen I've I've gone consistently enough now to see the full circle, to see the people I looked up to come, relapse, boom, leave. You know, come back, cry, say okay, I'm back in, it. and I've watched them, and I ask them after, dude, what happened? Just tell me so I don't, you know, you don't want to go me, there, right. warn me, and like and but it's always the same thing. It's these. It's like for church, it's the, it's the spiritual thing, right? In AA or, or in, in ARP, it's go to meetings, call a sponsor, right? Get on it. So there's all these like, just like in church, you sell some read scriptures. For Normie, that's perfect. That's exactly what they need to do. And yes, addicts need to do the same thing. But for us, there's some key things we have to do. Like a little, little higher octane fuel you like need. Like you talked about, yeah, the analogy of the race car. You know, we have to be taken apart. Right, clean. Explain yeah, that to him. So, so the analogy one time he shared here and his share at the end of the meeting Talk to the was, was huge because um, at that time, it was actually one of those months where I was like I was struggling with some things. You know, um, I was sober, but not, in, not mentally. I wasn't working my program. I was going, I was helping other people, but my program had quickly turned from me getting help for myself to helping other people, which is good, but, you know, because everyone else is getting saved, but reality is I was, like, spiritually dying, like, which is the irony there is crazy, but um, 
and then I'll never forget because he shared at that same night when I was really feeling like a piece of you know what I had no idea right. no idea and didn't tell him a thing right I wasn't really telling anyone anything that was the problem and uh, uh, he shares he's like you know normies are like Honda Civics of the world or the Toyota Corolla right you buy one you get an oil change every five seven thousand miles that thing will run forever right you put regular gas in it as cheap as it can get it's all good you may have to change a little thing here and there but reality is that thing's going forever then you take like a ferrari or you take a race car right and i'm not into nascar or anything like that but my in-laws are and everything in that car after every single race no matter what no every lap even if they're on test drive this is what i got it for it was a little more detail but that thing has to be taken apart, stripped down. Every part is cleaned in a race car because when you're going 200 whatever plus miles an hour, however fast the they go, RPMs are reveling that high. That high, anything that's not working perfectly can be life or death, and you know it just won't work. It just won't work. It has to be done perfectly. He said, "I believe addicts." This is what he said. He's like, "I've come to learn at this you know, maybe eight months of doing this. I've come to learn that you guys are the race cars of the world." Period. And I never, and I thought, you know, you could take it as cheesy, but like at the time, I was like. You're right. I just need to strip down some things. Like in me, I took that person. He's like, I'm not imperfect. I just have to. Like this is just the way I was built. Like you know what I mean. Like I have to, in order for me to run the way I need to run. Like I gotta go. I gotta cut some things out still. Yeah, yeah. I'm sober. But the but good news is action. you're a race car. Yeah, you can yeah. do things I can't do. Yeah, that was the thing. He's like, you can take, and that you know, he's like, that was another part of the analogy. Is like, yeah, yeah, your fifth gear going on a turn is a lot different than Corolla. And I've had a Beamer, and now yeah. I drive a, uh, Prius. a Prius for work. <laughs> I tell you what, man, when you drive a Prius, or you can go eighty miles, or sorry, when you're driving a Beamer, you can take a turn going eighty and barely even shift in your seat. You know, I don't recommend you do that, but you can go really fast and be in really control. That uh, and so when I first got the Prius that first week, I remember getting off the freeway and making a turn too fast. I almost flipped. It was like, <laughs> like skin. I'm like, oh, race car analogy. Like I that's, just thought, like that's me. That's me. Yeah. So, anyways, so we the the key here is is being honest and being open. And you've been extremely honest and open. I know for a fact, just like I told you, if you come on and say there are people that are gonna be listening that are gonna be blessed from your story because your story, all of our stories blesses our lives. Plus it's it's good, I don't know about you, how you feel right now, but I love talking about our story because it helps me relive a part that I don't ever wanna forget because if I forget it, I'll go back. And I don't wanna go back because now the stakes are even higher. You know what I mean? There's yeah. more kids involved. There's more people's lives that will be, you know, could be affected and I don't also wanna die. So, you know what I mean? And I guarantee that you feel the same way, but I appreciate you being on it. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. appreciate you guys having me, and I'm more than happy to share my story and do anything I can to help. I, I love it. I feel great. By helps, by helping others, you're going to help yourself. Like, yeah. it's just it's weird how that works. Service is huge. For sure, it's a 12-step. And, and this is on step 12, so this how is perfect. That's why, wow. that's why it's perfect. That's and you awesome. got your chip, man. To your chip. High five, man. Thank you, brother. Thanks for being on it. Hey, thank you. Until next time. Okay, tune in. Later. Fire him as
grace and thy spirit. Where 